0: as we look at what's taken place in our midst this morning through the ordinance of baptism, I'm reminded that Jesus never asked his disciples to remember his birth, and boy, do we remember that in a big way, don't we? Christmas. He never asked them to remember those things, but he did instruct them to remember his death and his resurrection and gave the church two very visible symbols referred to as the ordinances of the church these two ordinances are baptism that we've experienced this morning and communion or the Lord's Supper that we partake of once a quarter Why should a person be baptized? First of all, to follow the example of the Lord Jesus Christ, who felt that that was necessary and went to John the baptizer and said to me, baptize me, and I told the kids this morning in my study before they came over for baptism, John says, oh, I'm not worthy to do that. No. And Jesus said, nonetheless, baptize me. And when Jesus was baptized, it says he came forth out of the water and an audible voice spoke from heaven, the Father says, This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. The Father applauded the Son. The Father vocally recognized the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, at his baptism, that he was willing to be identified as who he was, and that he was willing to be baptized. Secondly, You should be baptized because Jesus commanded it. In Matthew chapter 28 and 19 and 20, the verses 19 and 20, it's what we call the Great Commission. Jesus said, Go therefore into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. It is an act that is commanded of the church that we baptize those who were birthed into the family of God, who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only is it following the example of Jesus and it is a commandment of the Lord to us, but it shows obedience on the part of the one being baptized. Acts chapter 2 and verse 41, it says, then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. Now, I wonder how long you would have sat here for me to baptize 3,000 people today. But you know, it went a long time. and Some of you would have stayed the whole time, wouldn't you? But I, I'm, just think about that. That one day, 3,000 folks received Christ, and they were Gladly baptized. You see, baptism is symbolic. I told the kids as we were meeting a while ago, it doesn't save them, it doesn't wash away their sins, it doesn't add anything to their salvation that was completed through the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And when you trust in His finished work, you are granted salvation, you are given everlasting life, and it begins that day, not the day you go into the baptistry. But it is a symbol. It doesn't give forgiveness, but is a picture of that that has already transpired and what you have become since you believed in salvation. It is like a mini-drama of what has happened to you spiritually by receiving Christ as your Savior. Baptism doesn't take away sin, as I said. Only Jesus can take away our sins, and he promises to do that that he forgives us of every sin. Baptism is like a wedding ring. I have one on. I wear it 24 hours a day, 365 and one-fourth days a year. I wear it gladly and proudly. Melanie gave it to me. She gave it to me when we were married at the Heritage Baptist Church in 1974, July the 20th. Aren't you proud of me? She gave me that wedding band, and I have been wearing it ever since. I have only taken it off one time for surgery, and the next time I said no, and they put a piece of tape around it. I've been wearing it all those times. But let me tell you what. That ring does not make me married to Melanie. I'm going to do something I never do, I think. There it is. Am I unmarried to Melanie? I'm still married to her. I'm still committed to her. This ring is simply a symbol, a testimony, a visible sign to those who know me and see me that I have a wife, and she has given me a wedding band, and therefore... As though any woman would be uh, interested, I'm unavailable. I'm thankful that I wear that, and I'm thankful for my wife. And so it is with baptism. It is taking on, if I can say it this way, the wedding band of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you do become a part of the bride of Christ. That's what the church is called. And so you become his, and you have a relationship with him. And you take on baptism, symbolic of what's taken place. And you just, listen to me kids, you just identified with Christ in your baptism. And saying to the world, I belong to him and he belongs to me. I want to talk to you for just a few minutes this morning about the statement of baptism. Listen to what Paul writes to the church at Rome in chapter 6. I'm going to read all 11 verses of this this particular passage. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer therein? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in a newness of life. For if we've been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we should also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, pay attention when the scripture says likewise. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, does that mean once you're saved, once you're baptized, that you're not going to sin anymore? No, you still have to deal with your old nature. We want to be crucified with Christ, but that's a constant thing over and over in our lives daily, to be crucified to self and crucified to sin and to give over to the way of Christ in our lives. We still have to contend with the flesh, but we have an advocate with the Father. In 1 John he says, if we confess our sins, now he's, John says, I'm writing this to Christians because he calls us all the way through it, my little children, my little children, my little children. He's talking about those who have been saved, those who know Christ as their Savior. He says, my little children, I write these things unto you, that if we confess our sins, and he's he's talking about saved folks, talking about Christians. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. you see, that's what's so good about it. Tristan said Jesus didn't die so we can sin. He died as a penalty, as a gift to us for our sins that we might be forgiven. I'm thankful that we walk in the forgiveness of Christ, aren't you? And baptism is a testimony, a witness, that I have been forgiven in Christ. I am buried to the old nature. I rise to walk in a new way of life. And the baptistry does not do that. It's one's faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that gives them that kind of faith in victory. The first thing is the statement of the gospel. Paul, in writing this letter to the church at Rome, made it absolutely clear that baptism is an accurate and powerful demonstration of the finished work of Jesus. It is a new believer's testimony, as you saw this morning, new believer's testimonies, a witness of the gospel of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And each one of these five that were baptized today gave, or was it four, that were baptized today, they gave a testimony of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. They gave their personal testimony of the death of a way of life of sin to rise to walk in a newness life. And so it's a statement of the gospel. Every one of you ch- children gave a powerful declaration of the awesome price that Jesus paid on the cross of Calvary for us to have life. It's also a statement of faith. In the uh, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive you and to give you eternal life and a home in heaven one day when you die. Your eternal life began the day you prayed to receive Christ And asked for forgiveness and believed on him, on him as your Lord and Savior. But it has been given to you forever. John 11 says this as Jesus is talking. And he said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die And then he asked with audacity the provoking question, do you believe this? He who believes in me will never die. And Jesus asked you the question, do you believe this? You see, baptism is a testimony that I believe this. I believe Jesus died. I believe he's given me life. I believe I have everlasting life. But finally, baptism is a statement of commitment. It includes your personal commitment to live for Jesus. Some of us older folks need to be reminded of that. Some of us would have to go back a long, long time to remember the day that we walked into the baptistry or into the river or into the lake or pond and were baptized. But you see, we're to remember that. That baptism includes a personal commitment to live for Jesus. Our scripture passage in Romans 6 reminds us that we're to walk in a newness of life. A new kind of life. We're to be the talking point of of a lot of conversations of those who see us in the vernacular. Those who see us in the marketplace and see us in the schoolhouse and see us at the workplace there will be a talking point that there is something different there is a newness about this individual and and you you kids when you go to school you're classmates ought to notice there is something peculiarly different about you you have a smile oh that doesn't mean you're not going to ever get sad uh, you 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 have a righteousness doesn't mean you're not only ever going to get angry you're going to have to contend with the real life issues all through your life but they ought to notice that there is something very different about you in the way that you walk the way you talk the way that you live and the way you interact With others. Sometimes we sing the song, I have decided to follow Jesus. But sometimes we forget the last phrase of that song no turning back, no turning back. Jesus didn't save us for us to go on with a life that we want to live, He saved us to live a life that He wants us to live. And in following him, we're to walk in obedience all of our lives. Can I tell you that this kind of commitment is not easy for our flesh? Our natural person didn't die when we were saved. But we are told to die to ourselves on a daily basis, but to live in Jesus and his will For us and we have to work at that we have to give over to that every day and ask for his grace and his help I've had your parents and your grandparents and other relatives to sit with you today it is in to encourage you and encourage your family to guide and instruct you in the new life. The scriptures are abundantly clear. I could preach now until 12 o'clock today, but I could not be so precise and so clear as the scriptures are. The scriptures tell us we're to bring up or raise up a child in the way that he or she ought to live, and when they become older, the promise of the word of God is that they will not depart from it. Wow. It didn't say... I didn't say that, I should say. God said that. You know, right here in this building, and I would never point out anybody or embarrass anybody. But I'm telling you right here in this building, this congregation today, there are some of you that could say, you know, I weigh, I, I, was wayward. I walked away from my walk in Christ. I was disobedient. But because of godly parents, because of having been brought up the right way because they were praying for me, because they would not give up, because they didn't tell me just go on to hell and get it over with. They didn't have that kind of attitude. They just kept walking with me and talking with me and loving me and caring. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. God promises if you'll be that kind of a parent, even though your child may get wayward, they will eventually come back to that that they experienced. Christ Jesus God tells parents and grandparents these words tell these things to your children and to your children's children to your children and your children's children mamas and daddies don't expect these kids to automatically mature into godly Christ-like young adults The responsibility to help them to become godly young men and godly young women is squarely placed on the shoulders of the home and the church. When we have baby dedication, we make a covenant with those parents who bring their child before this church for baby dedication we make it very clear that baby dedication does not impart forgiveness or salvation of that child. It is just a time of the parents saying, "We make a commitment." That child's just a baby. That child doesn't know how to make a commitment. But the parents make a commitment, and in turn, the church makes a commitment back with those parents that we come long along beside you and that we partner with you and promise you that we will be steadfast in helping you raise your children to be godly young people and godly adults. This church takes that seriously. We have preschool department with a preschool minister. We have a children's department with a children's minister. We have a student department youth department with a student pastor we believe in helping the family we believe in helping parents we believe in partnering with you to help raise your children to a godly walk don't expect it to be automatic when your children are brought by you before the church in that time of dedication, we promised you that we would help you in that endeavor, as I mentioned. I want you to know, Melanie and I and Troy and Nancy Spence have the biblical responsibility to aid and to support Patrick and Heather in teaching Tristan and Evan how to walk with Jesus. And we are committed to do just that. This pastor and this church have promised each of you the very same thing time and time again. And today, we promise you all over again that we will assist you. We are here. We will not back up. We will not let you down. We will not forsake you. Neither will we forsake your children we are here to teach them and support you in teach them teaching them the ways of the lord that they may grow to be godly young people the question is are you committed are you committed as a parent as a grandparent are you committed as a family member that you're going to live such a life in front of them that they will see the power of God working in your life, and they will hear from you praise and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ, not only in the way that you live, but the way that you talk. You have a responsibility. I didn't give it to you. God gave it to you. And as Melly and I take on that responsibility very seriously with our two grandboys, grandparents ought to do the same thing. You're not interfering. You're aiding You're helping, you're loving, you're doing the biblical and the right thing. Make that commitment to your children and to your children's children. That daddy may not be perfect. Mama may get mad sometime and blister your hiney. Granddaddy may get mad at the dog and kick him. Grandmother does no wrong. convinced of that but through it all hear me we're here and we'll walk with you and we want you to live for Jesus every day you got me you got me you got me where'd Lucy go you got me Lucy Let's pray together. Father, it's been a wonderful time to be in your house. Lord, we are we're just lifted up in praise and thanksgiving for these precious children who have come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us never to walk them through the baptismal service and say, Live a good life. Good luck to you. Lord, that is not our purpose. That is not our desire. And that is not what we will do. Help us to support them, to teach them, to nurture them, and to help them to become the adults that you've saved them to be. I pray for their parents. Give them grace. Give them patience beyond what comes naturally. Give them a way to show their love so that their children understand that they love them dearly. But Lord, give them wisdom to guide them to do the right thing always that you may be honored and glorified and blessed in their children's lives. And Lord, we'd give you the praise and the glory if you see fit to call any of these to ministry. That one day they say, I've been called to ministry. I'm going to serve the Lord full time. I'm going to be a missionary. I'm going to be a preacher. Lord, your will be done, not ours, but yours. Help us as we leave this place that our lives may bear the likeness of Jesus and in him we can walk in strength and confidence and love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.